Today is a uh, standalone message, and I've titled this message, The Forest Beyond the Tree. Uh, before we look into the, uh, a story out of Second Chronicles, I would encourage you, if you have your Bible, by the way, you know, get, get a hard copy Bible in your hand, or if you have your phone, that's fine too, if you have an app on your phone, but uh, join us today in the text. We're going to be looking at Second Chronicles chapter 14, 15, and 16, it's the story of King Asa, but before we get into that, and while you're getting that text up and ready, I do want to share a few things about what's going on here over the next several weeks at Restoration. First of all, if you're a guest with us, if you're joining us maybe for the first time, you're online, man, we love that you're doing that. I would really, really encourage you to go to the New Here tab of our website. There you can fill out a card, let us know who you are, get connected, and we would love to say hello to you, um, help you get acclimated into the incredible things that God is doing here at Restoration Church. Second, VBS starts next Sunday, July 10th. We are so excited, so pumped. 87 kids are registered so far. We would love to continue to increase that number. So if you want to continue to invite your neighbors, your kids' friends, your family members, whoever, to join the awesome adventure of Monumental VBS here at Restoration Church, please do that. You can sign up on our website, on the VBS tab of our website. If you have our app, you can do that there as well. It is not too late to attend the best week of the summer starting next Sunday. And then tomorrow uh, is our 4th of July parade. This is a picture of last year's parade. Currently, we have 118 people walking in the 4th of July parade. So excited. For those of you who came on Thursday night to help out, to put all of our water bottles together, to, to put all the, the things that we're going to be handing out to our community. Thank you so much for helping and participating in that way. If you're not able to um, help us walk in the parade tomorrow, but you plan to be at the parade, then make sure to say hello, uh, wear some restoration swag, let your community know that you love restoration and what God is doing here. Uh, next, we have a community garden. I don't know if you're aware of this. We have a garden in part because we are in our community for our community. And this is a garden in our community for our community. We have people who are passionate about gardening. We've created this garden and now it is producing its, its abundance. And so we want to give that out to the community. If you are in need of fresh vegetables or if you want to help get the word known that there are fresh vegetables available, then please do so. Tell the world about the community garden, um, free produce. It's really, really incredible. Already there's been cucumbers, um, tons of green beans, lots of peppers, things like that. So already it is out there. Come and get your free produce. Next week we are starting a brand new series titled Word to the Wise. We are going to venture in for three weeks into the book of Ecclesiastes. And I just, I love what this, this message is about. As, as irritating and frustrating as Ecclesiastes may be, as sad and as depressing as Ecclesiastes may be, it has got some incredible wisdom and some credible truths that we are going to unravel together over the next three weeks. And so I would really, really encourage you to be here. If you can't join us in person, make sure to join us online or make sure to listen to the podcast or watch it later. It's going to be some really good stuff coming out of Ecclesiastes. So I bet that you're feeling that there is a lot of tension in the world right now. I bet that you're feeling that there's a lot going on, a, a lot that is diverting your attention, maybe a lot of your reliance even from God. You, you watch the news, you open up your, your news apps, you know, you read the news and you are maybe scared. Maybe there's some trepidation. You just, you don't know what's going on with the economy. You see the 8.6% inflation rates. You see the gas prices. You see the food prices. You wonder how you're going to make ends meet. You wonder it all, right? There's a lot of things that are taking our trust away from God or diverting our attention away 
from God. Maybe you see the, the political division, right? The Supreme Court cases, the gun control issues, all of these things. And we, you know, beyond what's going on in the world, and that's just what's happening here in America, right? We think of Ukraine and we think of Russia and we think of, um, uh, North Korea and like there's, there's so much going on in the world beyond even our borders, right? And so you look at all these things and it's, it gets scary, right? It, it, it's, it gets fearful. I, I, I get that. I understand that. And that's, that's even beyond our own individual things, right? The own our personal anxieties we wrestle with, the personal fears, the personal grief, the list goes on and on and on, and we all wrestle with how challenging the world can be to live in. When I was a kid, across from my house, there was a, a field, and across from the field, there was a woods. And in that field used to be a solitary tree, and, and I would walk across that field and through those woods to get to school back and forth every day, two times a day for you know all of my elementary years. I would pass this tree, and I would walk through those woods. And little by little, that one solitary tree died. Little by little, that tree over the years died. It withered and it died. And as a little kid, I felt bad for that tree because I, I felt like that tree was all alone. And, and I would imagine that that tree was scared, right? It didn't have community. It didn't have protection. And it was dead, right? The, the tree made me sad. It made me think of my own mortality, which at a young age caused me a lot of anxiety. And that tree came to represent, for me, all of the problems in the world, the world often feels hopeless, the world often feels tired, the world often feels withered, doesn't it? And when we sit and we sulk under the shade of that tree, we too then often feel hopeless and we often feel tired and we often feel withered because all of our attention is on that tree that is feeling those same things. And one day I was walking with my dad and we were walking across the field and he said something so wise to me. He, he, he didn't come up with this saying, but the saying spoke to me. He opened my eyes to a new reality, and he put things into perspective. He said, Ross, there is a forest beyond that tree. And in that forest, there is a spring, the source of a stream of water that gives life to all of the trees within the forest. And the reason that tree was dwindling, the reason that tree was withered, was because it was not near the stream. It was not near the source of life. You see, friends, there's something bigger than this circumstance. You know, whatever the circumstance you're dealing with, whatever the circumstance you're feeling, whatever's going on in the news, whatever's going on in the world, there is something bigger than this one circumstance, bigger than this problem, bigger than this issue, bigger than this experience. And if you want to sit and to sulk in the shade of all of your problems, then you will never experience the beauty of the forest. You just won't. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to understand that or to realize that. If you want to sick and sulk in the shade of all of your problems, you will never experience the beauty and the life of the forest. You'll never experience the growth. You'll never explore. You'll just stay stagnant your whole life. There is something bigger than your problem that is worthy of your trust and your attention and your time and your energy and your resources and your devotion and you can either explore the life and the beauty of the forest, or you can sit at the foot of a dying tree. Oh, and by the way, this is just an analogy, of course, and I'm sure you already got that, right? God is the forest, and your circumstances are that dying tree. I bet you knew that already, but I'm going to use this analogy a lot as we look at the story of King Asa found in Second Chronicles chapters 14 through 16. So, King Asa, he was the third king of Judah. 
you know, just about uh, 50 years prior to his reign, Judah was, uh, the kingdom of Israel was split in two after Solomon was king. His son, Rehoboam, took on the, the kingdom of Judah in the south, and his commander, Jeroboam, took on the kingdom of Israel in the north. So there was literally a divide, literal split between the kingdom of Israel. And Esau was the third king of the kingdom of Judah, which is the southern kingdom. Now, he was just a teenager when he became king. And in his youthful devotion, his first action was to get rid of all the idols, all the, the foreign altars, all of the high places, all the Asherah poles, all of the things that distracted the people of Judah from the living God. He wanted to get rid of all of those idols that distracted them. And he wanted to place all of his trust and his love in submission to the God in whom was worthy of his trust. He wanted to explore the forest, in other words. He wanted to go explore who God was and and see the life of God come to the people of Judah. Ten years then into his reign, war arrived on his doorsteps. The invading army of the Cushites arrived and took a battle position. Asa gathered his army and called out to the Lord. So here we are. He's maybe 28, 25 at this time, you know, mid-20s. He says this, Lord... There was no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. He would have said, my circumstances are frightening. There is this Cushite, this huge army upon my doorstep, and my circumstances are very, very scary right now. The Cushites have a bigger army. They have more advanced weaponry. They have more skilled soldiers. I don't know what to do except to trust in God. And so to use the analogy, right, the tree is withering. And if I were to stay here at this tree with all of my circumstances, causing all this fear and this anxiety about what's taking place, right, the tree is dying, my circumstances are scary. But he understood and he believed that there was a forest, a thriving, full of life and beauty forest beyond this circumstance. He said, help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And we are told then that the Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and the people of Judah. You see, Asa's trust was in God, and God proved himself to be faithful. And so the prophet Azariah came to Asa to solidify this trusting relationship that Asa had with the Lord. He says, the Lord is with you when you are with him. Asa, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So, to keep using this analogy, if you go exploring the forest, you're going to find God. His grace, His love, His peace, His beauty, His life. Seek God and He will be found. Incredible. I just want you to sit on that for just a minute, right? Sit in silence, reflecting on this incredible truth. If you seek out the Lord, the Lord will be found by you. See, too many of us are standing at the dead tree with all of our troubles and worries and we're knocking on it and we're hoping that it's just going to come back to life and we're asking it to give us a solution and we're we're asking it to help us cope with whatever circumstance is there, but it's a dead tree and it can't help us with anything. And so the prophet Azariah gives a brief history lesson saying that when Israel was far from God, the people hurt each other and things didn't go well. There was fighting and war broke out and the people treated one another poorly. He understood one of the most basic principles that when we're far from God, we hurt. And when we're far from God, we hurt 
others. When we are far from God or moving away from God, we act selfishly and for our own benefit, thereby hurting other people. It is the very nature of things. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. We know that when we are selfish, things do not go well in our marriage. They don't go well in our households. They don't go well in our community. We know this. When we're far from God, we hurt and we hurt others. But when you have uh, a people who are close to God and striving to move closer to God, to live in love, then you'll have a, a marriage that is uh, you know, committed to God or a household committed to God, exploring the forest of God's grace and love. There will be peace, not only in individual hearts, but also in your marriage, in your household, in your community. You've experienced this too. We experience this all the time. When, when we are closest to God, we know that our household is thriving. When Emily and I are closest to God, we know that our marriage is thriving. Even for those who are far from God but moving towards him, there is a humility about them that will grow them closer to God. And so let me just say, all of us, including myself, are very much in need of growth, right? So just because I've been exploring this this forest of God's love and grace for half my life at this point, longer than half my life, I still have so much growth. Emily still has so much growth. Our kids have so much growth. Our household, our community has so much growth. But there are really only two types of people. Those whose hearts are directed towards God, right? They're humble and they're surrendered, submitting and seeking God. The thing is, they may be far from God in that they're young, they're immature, maybe they're not very knowledgeable, but they're exploring the forest and they're allowing the grace and the love that they find there to shape them and to change them and to draw them closer to God. And then there are the others whose hearts are directed away from God. But the thing is, they may be knowledgeable, they may know a lot about scripture, they may know a lot of theology, but they're self-righteous and they're pompous and they're pharisaical and they are actually moving away from God. And these people have the same hearts as the thieves and the murderers and the narcissists who live selfishly. They merely do it in the name of God. Friends, we need to be those people who are pursuing God wherever you are at, whether you are just starting your journey or whether you are deep into your journey. Keep exploring the grace and the love that God has for you. Keep understanding. Keep reading your scripture. Keep being in prayer. Keep striving to, to be more deep in community, to find a mentor, to someone who can walk alongside you to help you. Because here's the thing. Esau sought more reform. To assure the former would be the experience of his people, that his people would have a heart that are bent towards God, even if they were just beginning the journey and they felt like they were far from God, that they had a heart bent towards God and they were moving towards God. And so he commanded all of Judah to actually seek out the Lord. He actually did this at the threat of death. Funny, funny little story there. Uh, but all the people agreed and rejoiced because they desired to do it too. And so even though they had this great threat upon them, it was authentic and they all converted. They all, you know, submitted to God. And God was found by them, because when you seek after God, God will be found by you. And the Lord gave them rest and peace on every side. For 25 years, the nation of Judah experienced rest. In, in, a, in a world where war was constant, when war was all every nation knew all of the time, 25 years was unprecedented. It, it was unheard of. But because they relied on God and served him faithfully, they saw peace in their land. My friends, if you want peace with God in your household... Strive to know God more intimately. Together as a couple, strive to know God more intimately. Together as a family, strive to know God more intimately. If you want peace within your own heart, within your own mind, my friends, strive to know God more intimately. Strive to know his love for you and his grace that is poured over you more intimately. Explore the forest, in other words, of God's life. 
But here's the thing. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Israel sought war against Judah. So, so, so war shows up in the 36th year, 25 years of, after knowing peace. See, in his early years, Asa sought out the Lord for his strength. When, when he was a teenager, right, that's what he did. He relied on God for his victory. But he's not a teenager anymore. He, he's roughly 50 years old now. And, and this time he didn't cry out to the Lord, but rather he approached the king of Aram and relied on the strength of his allies. When Hanini, the prophet, approached Asa, he said, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Or this is the army that he was referring to before when he relied on God in his teenage years to liberate the Judeans from, from the Cushites. God gave them strength for their victory. Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Another just incredible text. Underline that or highlight that in your text if you can. And so why, after exploring the forest of God's providence, God's grace, God's love, God's hope, and finding it there, did you retreat out of the woods and back to the dead tree? That's essentially what Esau did, right? He, he, he found his strength and his life and the grace and the love of God in the forest, and yet after 25 years of peace, he retreated out of the woods and back to the dead tree to find his, his strength and his life in this, in this meaningless tree, again, to use the analogy. Now, we're not told why he did this, but I can imagine that 25 years of peace made him comfortable. It made him self-reliant. God actually told the Israelites back in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that this would happen. That when you get into the land and you get comfortable, then you're going to become proud. And when you get comfortable and you're well-fed and you build fine houses and you're flush with cash, then you're going to become proud and you are going to forget the Lord your God. See, when I was a kid exploring those woods, we would spend hours in there. We'd build forts. There was a stream that ran through the woods. We'd play in the stream. We loved it. It was beautiful, and it was fun, and the woods were teeming with life, and it was just, I I remember those days very fondly. Just like seeking after God, right? Teeming with life. But when the dinner bell rang, and yes, my mother did have a dinner bell, and she would ring it when dinner was ready, we had to come running in. We had to venture out of the woods. We had to leave the woods where we found so much joy and excitement in. But throughout the ages, many people developed the impression that if I leave the woods, if, if I leave the protection of God and the guidance of God and I leave the house of God, right, the shelter of God where his grace and his love abound, if I leave that, then if I leave that, then lightning is going to strike me or hail is going to consume me or, or the earth is going to open up and consume me or something horrible is going to happen to me. If I, if I leave the woods... See, in the woods I'm safe, and so I'll stay there, and I'm never going to venture out. And a lot of people had that, that perception, that, that impression of that's what it meant to be in the woods. First, let me say that that's a horrible missional strategy, right, in helping others leave the dead tree to explore the woods. But second, it's not true of any of our experience, is it? When we ventured out of the woods as kids, we noticed the brilliance of the sun shining. And, and we noticed that the stream still flowed through the field and the grass smelled sweet. We realized that there was more to the field than just the dead tree. That's not all there was to the field, was the dead tree. There was actually a lot of beauty in the field. There was a lot of life in the field. But if you spend enough time in the field or in the stream thinking this is fine, this is peaceful, this is beautiful in its own right, you may begin to forget the forest altogether. You see, Asa 
we're told, was angry with the seer because of this. He was so enraged that he actually put him in prison. He was angry that he had told him that he had abandoned the forest, the exploration of God for his own comfort and his own pride. He put him in prison. At the same time, Esau brutally oppressed some of the people. Esau drifted away from God, far from God. He got comfortable, he got proud, and he drifted away from God. And when you are far from God, my friends, you hurt. And that is when you also hurt people. Esau had not ventured into the woods for 25 years. He stopped relying on God. He stopped seeking God. He stopped trusting in God. And he hurt as he hurt other people. He became calloused and he became angry and became vengeful. And in the 39th year of his reign, Esau was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. See, Asa had forgotten that although the stream and the grass outside the forest were pleasing and enjoyable, the source of their life and the beauty was found at the spring inside of the forest. It was from this spring that all life and beauty flowed. And he came, in the end, to trust in caricatures and shadows of the real thing. And he was angry, he was vengeful, he was rude, he was oppressive, proud, selfish, and mean. Because of it, he did not seek out the source of life. He just rested in the caricature of life. Some of you today are sitting under a dead tree, friends. Some of you today, your circumstances are challenging. You're afraid. You're anxious. You're focused on the tree, on the world, on the stock markets, on the price of things, on the division in society, and you are cowering in its shadow. And God is calling you to trust him. God is calling you to seek him, to rely on him, to believe again in his love, his providence, his protection, his guidance, to venture into the woods, to discover that he is the source of beauty and the source of life, that he can be trusted to protect you, to provide for you, to guide you. Some of you are out in the field. You're comfortable. You're feeling the sunshine. You're fine where you are. God is calling you to explore the source of your comfort and not to become self-reliant and too comfortable on your own strength. When I was about 10 years old, it was a very dry summer and some kids threw a cigarette butt onto the dry grass and that entire field got caught on fire. There was a, a field fire. And as the flames encroached the woods, the flames couldn't penetrate the trees because the trees were too full of life. And so although all of the grass was charred and blackened soil, the trees remained alive. And that is true of life. Friends, the field is going to disappoint you. Eventually, the field is going to disappoint you. Your own self-made comfort will disappoint you. If not in this light, it, it, life, it will fail you in the next life. And so this is an invitation to humble yourself and to trust in God, to seek out God, and to find God. And friends, for those of you exploring the forest and basking in the beauty and the grace and the love and the life of God, I challenge you to keep exploring the forest. Keep growing, but know that there is a world outside the forest that is dying, and they're resting around dead trees, charred grass, and you need to know that there is enough room and beauty inside the forest for everybody. And so invite, invite, invite all that you know. Share the hope that you have. Share the grace. Share the life that you have. Join 
Invite your community, the people you know who are struggling, to join you in exploring the life and the beauty of God.